if Christianity can't be practical, I want to say it's useless. You know, I know how to lose weight. I know I need to uh, exercise, eat wisely. Uh, I can be a personal trainer. I can be a dietitian. I, but if I don't put into practice what I know, I won't lose weight. In the 1540s, uh, the Portuguese had made maps uh, that incorporated Australia. They knew of the existence of Australia, but they did nothing with that information. They actually lost the opportunity to colonise uh, Australia. Otherwise, we'd be singing Waltzing Matilda in Portuguese. Theory or knowledge not put into practice is of no value. In fact, the Bible talks about it fattens us up. We lose the opportunity for blessing. Folks, James wants us to put into practice what we know. And uh, James is the author of this book and he's the half-brother of Jesus who is the, the leader of the Jerusalem church, the mother church. And we actually see his humility, James. He doesn't big note himself, I'm Jesus' brother. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm a slave of the Lord Jesus. He sees Jesus as his Lord. The recipients of the letters, the 12 tribes, scattered tribes of Israel, <laughs> you know, a postman would have difficulty in posting this letter because it's a general letter to all Christians everywhere. And Christians are the new people of God. Christians are the new Israel. And the reason or the purpose why James uh, writes is so that Christians will be real, that they will be genuine, not phony Christians who wander away after a time. And we see that in, in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 19, James challenges by warning and encouraging God's church, the people of God, to keep each other. And so we are to keep each other from wandering away from the truth because of the trials that may come. So what does a genuine Christian look like? What will the real Christian experience? Well, Christians will experience trials, trouble, tribulation. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of whenever you face trials of many kinds. Can I say, folks, there is no magic wand. There's no promise if you become a Christian, uh, there will be a bit of roses. The normal Christian life will involve, involve trials and temptations. It is promised. And so it shouldn't surprise us when things go wrong in our lives. But James wants to turn our trials into triumphs. He wants to change us from being victims to be victors. James is writing to a scattered people, not a sheltered people. They are scattered because they have often been persecuted. Well, how can we be a genuine, real Christian uh, in the midst of suffering? Well, firstly, a genuine Christian will consider it pure joy. And we read these words from James verse 2. Consider it pure, pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And so some trials we might encounter it's because we're human. We get sick. We get in an accident. We get disappointed. We experience tragedies. But there are other trials we experience because we are Christian. And friends, the Bible tells us that Satan fights us. The world opposes us because of who we are and who we, what we stand for. 
And folks, we've probably seen that just recently with the same-sex marriage, with the abortion issues. People were against uh, what the Christians believe. When we witness for Jesus, it makes people feel uncomfortable. So there are trials. So why consider it, count it, or evaluate as pure joy? Well, James tells us in verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You see, trials and difficulties, they test our faith. And once they've tested our faith, we will grow to persevere or endure. And as we persevere and endure in the faith, it will help us to be mature in Christ, complete, as James talks about. Folks, it's God's training regime. It's like a football team. The coach will lead his team through trials, through training, difficult testing, so that they might grow to have that stamina, that endurance, so that they might grow to be the complete team. Be joyful. That trials are not to destroy our faith but the very opposite, to help us grow in our faith. Folks, can I say, I'm not saying be happy when you're sick or uh, if you've uh, suffered a, a heavy financial loss. James is saying our trials such as finance difficulties, health dif- difficulties, relational problems, can, can actually produce a strengthening of our faith. Trials are the fertile ground or the fertile soil for fruitful growth. Folks, can I say, you know, if we value comfort more than character, trials will upset us and consume us. Let me say that again. If we value comfort more than character, trials would upset us and consume us. But if we value godly character, we will know that saying to be true, no pain, no gain. If we live for the present and not for the future, then trials and difficulties will make us bitter and not better as the people of God. So Paul is saying, consider it pure joy. In other words, look at our suffering through the eyes of faith. You know, I sometimes think God is more ambitious than we are. Uh, We wouldn't mind some minor uh, character traits improved, but God wants us to be mature, perfect, lacking in nothing. God is all in for us. And he wants us to be all in for him. You know, an eagle is one of the most majestic of all birds. And I don't know if you know, but the the eagle, uh, they often uh, sit on top of a, a cliff and uh, they have their nest uh, beside them, looking after their chicks. And when they want their chicks to start to fly, what they will do, the mother eagle will just flick off the chick. And the chick will come down, all flapping, there is great panic and so on. And just before the chick hits the ground, the mother eagle swoops the chick on its back and take it back to the top of the cliff and after a while the mother eagle will knock the chick over again and folks the mother eagle does that because it loves the chick it loves that little baby eagle and it wants that eagle to grow 
Folks, can I say, uh, in my life, I've been criticised, I've been attacked, uh, I've been gossiped about, and uh, before I used to try to justify myself all the time, but I've learnt not to justify. Sometimes that criticism has been just and right, and I've repented through that. But I've just trusted in God, and not to, not to attack or justify back. And, and you know what? We are all learners. We never graduate from becoming mature in Christ. When we encounter trials, we can experience fear. We can say, oh, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen to me? Uh, we can experience anger. Why me, God? Why me and not the other person? We can, we can experience self-pity. Oh, everybody hates me. Everybody's against me. Or we can just uh, experience confusion. Well, what's going on? Be joyful, James is saying, because trials are God's opportunity to make us mature, to make us ready for heaven. We can endure trials not only because heaven awaits us, but because God is using this time in preparing us for heaven. So consider it pure joy. God is working through trials to help us be more like the Lord Jesus. You know, John Newton, who wrote uh, that great hymn, Amazing Grace, he said, the Christian growth is not like a mushroom. He said, it's like an oak tree. Isn't that great? It's not like a mushroom, but an oak tree. In other words, Christian growth doesn't happen overnight. It's a long process. And if we endure, we will be strong. We will be strong in the Lord. Christian growth is important. And that's why James says, consider it pure joy. Secondly, the genuine Christian not only considers it pure joy when he faces trials, but he asks God for wisdom. Uh, in verse 5, it says there, uh, where about are we? If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And, and when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, he says. Uh, so G Jesus says a similar thing in the Beatitude. Ask and it will be given to you. You see, God wants us to come to him in prayer because he knows we can only mature as Christian men and women when we are united with him in faith as we pray. I think uh, you and I know we can't live the Christian life on our own. That's why God has provided a church. But we need the church. We need his spirit. And we need to be able to come to him in prayer and ask him for wisdom. That means putting knowledge uh, into action. James says, you know, many Christians live like hawks on the waves. One minute they're up, one minute they're down, tossed back and forth because of the trials in their life. They view life from the eyes of the world and not the eyes of faith. James says those people are double-minded. They've got a foot in both camps. You can't, they can't make up their mind whether they want to be followers of Jesus or followers of the world. Uh, some years ago, I remember going on a, a fishing trip with a number of people and we had two boats and we all piled into the boat. There was no, uh, there was no planning and one boat had too many uh, people in it and uh, the other boat only had a few people in it. And so as we're out in the middle there, 
um, the two boats came together and I decided to go into the boat that didn't have many people. And I still remember this, that there was one time when I had one foot in one boat and I had the other foot in the other boat. And folks, I want to say it was painful. <laughs> I got wet. We need God's wisdom to respond in times of trials and difficulties. God doesn't want us to have a foot in both camps. How do you want people to pray for you when you're going through trials? You might want them to pray for you that you might have healing when you're sick, that you might get a job when you've lost your job, that that relationship might be restored. And folks, can I say they are valid prayers, but you know what we should be praying? That we might grow in perseverance as, when we are sick. That we might learn contentment when we haven't got much. And that we might be humble enough to ask that other person for forgiveness. You know what? You can only pray those things if you have God's wisdom. So a genuine Christian, they'll consider it pure joy when they face trials. They will ask God for wisdom. And thirdly, they will know their reward. Uh, in verse 12 there it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You know, in life, James talks about there are rich people, there are poor people. And if you are a poor Christian, you're probably living in, in, in a third world country. Uh, and unfortunately, often people will see those people as of little value and importance. But James says, if you are a poor person in one of those countries, you, you, are, you are in a high position with God. You have the crown of life, he says. You are a forgiven child of God. You have eternal life if you love the Lord Jesus. If you are a rich Christian, and you know what? We are all considered uh, rich Christians uh, uh, in the Western world. Remember, all the material things we have will disappear. I think James wants to say, as Jesus says, don't put your trust in them, but put your trust in the one who is generous to us. We too have the crown of life if we love Jesus. You know, those of us who are Christians, how do we identify ourselves? Do we identify ourselves with our career, you know, I'm a minister, or with our title, uh, or with our, the money we make, or with our achievements? with our influence? Or do we identify ourselves as a forgiven child of God? As the rich people in our world, folks, can I say, enjoy what we have. Share it with others. But don't put our trust in, and hope in what will be destroyed. Friends, we're going to have trials. <laughs> we're going to have suffering. So don't try to dodge it. Tertullian, one of the church fathers, he said these words, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And what he was really saying, you know, trials, persecution is the fertile soil for fruitful growth. Don't try to dodge it. Don't try to inflate it. Don't harp on it and, and, and play the why me game. Accept it. It's a little bit like going to a dentist, isn't it? I hate going to the dentist, but I know it's what's best for me. So what is James saying? 
Consider it pure joy when God is working through the trials to bring you to maturity. Ask God for wisdom that you might believe, that you might trust him, that you might not be double-minded. And he says, know your reward. You are a forgiven child of God. You have the crown of life, which is greater than the riches of the world. You know, there was this bird, and this bird got into this house. And when the bird got into the house, the cat in the house went crazy. It was uh, madly trying to uh, catch the bird. It was leaping and jumping, and uh, it was obviously trying to catch the bird. And the man who was in the house, he saw the panic, he saw all the commotion, and he's tried to catch the bird also. As far as the bird was concerned, both the cats and the man were dangerous enemies. The cat was trying to eat the bird, but the man was trying to rescue the bird. Friends, can I say, we need to recognise God is our rescuer, our saviour, our protector. And even though sometimes it looks like we are the hunted, just remember, we are under his protection. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. And then he goes on to say, so that you might be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. Uh, Friends, uh, I'm going to interview uh, uh, Steve Lardner right now, and he's going to tell us about some of the trials uh, about his faith. Thank you. Uh, It's great to have you, Steve. Um, Friends, uh, Steve Lardner is one of our parishioners. Uh, He's been a, a warden. He's been a treasurer. But over the last couple of years, Steve has gone through uh, various uh, ordeals and trials. Still, Steve, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how you felt through that? Yeah, thanks. Hi, Tony. Um, well, well, as you know, one day I was feeling really good and okay. Then the next day I couldn't uh, talk properly. Within a few days, I was diagnosed with a brain tumour. This was removed two days later on my 62nd birthday then followed by six months of chemotherapy and then a stem cell transplant. It, is, it has accepted, uh, affected sorry, uh, my speech and comprehension, but I am working on that and which is improving slowly. When the sickness all happened, I must say that I never actually asked, why me, Lord? I just never felt like that. We, Deb and I, prayed that God was uh, send the, the, the right medical people to care for me and got the jobs, uh, get the job done ASAP, please. Well, he certainly did that, uh, Steve, uh, and that's, uh, you certainly went through difficult times. Uh, tell me, how did, how did it affect uh, your faith in Jesus? How did it affect your trust in God through this time? I trusted in the Lord that he, that he would heal me. I developed a great uh, strength with Deb knowing that our family, friends, and especially our church family were all praying for me. During this time, I I learnt about perseverance. The doctors told me that I had a long road ahead of me. The only way I got through this experience um, was by praying more and relying on God more and more each day. Uh, You know, we've been going through, we just started this series in James, and, and one of the verses we looked at, consider it pure joy, as you face various trials, 
after going through all of this, how, how do you view life now and how do you think God's been working in your life in this? Well, actually, I feel I'm blessed. Um, I, I realised God good was teaching me on a, a number of things. Firstly, I wasn't in control of my, my life. In fact, he was. Secondly, that my work shouldn't be my top priority. Um, he was. And I learnt that uh, my work could actually manage without me. Thirdly, my future life may, uh, may well be different at times, uh, but I, I need to, tra- uh, to trust and turn to me more, uh, more quickly. Your calls, messages and, and cards were enormous supportive, um, but the prayers were, were critical. Thank you for your help throughout this time and thank you um, for your perseverance. I feel this experience has brought me uh, closer to God. My faith is stronger and I pray and thank him for, for showing me the important, uh, the important things in my life. That is God, family and very importantly, my, my church family. Thank you, Lord, and, and thank you all. Uh, thank you, Steve. Normally uh, with the, uh, the congregation, I'd ask people to give you a clap. <laughs> I'll give you a hug instead. Uh, folks, I'm sure that you... Uh, you are thankful, as I am thankful, that uh, Steve uh, shared uh, part of his ordeal and part of his faith. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Thank you.